Today marks a transition as we move from our winter sermon series, which dealt with the wonderful, delightful, and sometimes strange world of fairy tale, to a Lenten journey dealing with the identity of Jesus. But before we do, two quick comments. First, it was a real treat to have our United Church of Christ General Minister and President John Dorauer with us last Sunday as our guest preacher. And in talking with John afterwards, he said he was so impressed with our church and was so pleased that he could be here. And I assured him that the feeling was mutual. And second, I hope we will hold all our brothers and sisters in the United Methodist tradition in our prayers, asking that God's light will more and more be revealed as God continues to speak to them about same-sex relationships. Now, our Lenten sermon series. During the last few years here, I have had a number of conversations with some of you in Bible study, during time of fellowship out on the terrace after church or at the front door, uh, leaving after worship, or in my study, or perhaps on the telephone, or through emails, around the focus of Jesus Christ and just who he was and is. Without quoting anyone, let me give an overview of some of those conversations. For some people, there has been hesitation toward Jesus because of having had a fundamental background of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus with no substantial grounding in the complexity and richness of who he was. For others, there is confusion about the different titles ascribed to Jesus. Christ, Messiah, Lord, King, Son of Man, Son of God, and so on. And for others, there is uncertainty as to who Jesus is due to a lack of awareness about what's in the Bible as it relates to Jesus and their faith. In other words, they know they have a faith and belief in Jesus at some level, but they are not able to articulate much about it when asked. On the spectrum of not knowing much at all about Jesus on the one end and knowing a whole bunch on the other, my guess is most of us find ourselves somewhere along that continuum. And it was out of all those conversations that I began thinking about this Lenten sermon series. Who is Jesus really? We are a church that accepts people wherever they are along the journey of faith. Because we believe that no matter where a person is, their faith is a process, a journey, not simply an arrival or an ending point. So wherever a person is on their journey with Christ, they are welcome here. The United Church of Christ has a wonderful saying, God is still speaking. God is still speaking. God didn't stop speaking after the Bible was canonized, you know, 1,700 years ago. God is still speaking. And one of our advertisements as a denomination says, God accepts all the people, so do we, the United Church of Christ. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. 
our acceptance is based on Jesus' all-inclusive acceptance. So we welcome everyone on the journey, and today we begin the Lenten journey. It was over 35 years ago that I interviewed for my first ministerial position after seminary. I mentioned this on Wednesday, but I want to repeat it this morning. One of the questions that the search committee from that church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, asked was the most interesting and difficult question I've ever been asked in all my interview processes. And it was simply this, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus, really? And after saying God's Son, I suspect most of us would be hard-pressed to give a comprehensive and profound answer to that question. And so as we take our annual journey with Jesus toward Holy Week and Easter, I could think of no better series to pursue as his disciples than who is Jesus really. This past week, as we did have our Ash Wednesday service, we explored the theme, Questions and the Quest. For you see, here at Neighborhood Church, we know that questions are part of the quest. And just because we ask questions about the identity of Jesus, that does not mean we don't have faith in Christ. We do. We simply acknowledge that we don't have all the answers and that there is always room for growth in our understanding and on a journey of faith. Unless anyone be saying in their mind, gee, I can't believe that the ministers have questions about about who Jesus Christ is, well, let me assure you, we do, right? We do. But I will tell you, um, I am suspect of anyone who claims to have all the answers, for that would be claiming to know as much as God. And I'm not even sure God knows all the answers. But let's save that discussion for another sermon. For now, let's pursue the question, who is Jesus really? Today and for the next six weeks, we'll be looking to Jesus as initiator, seed planner, judge, prophet, teacher, healer, king and Messiah, and Lord. This morning's thrust is initiator and seed planter. Let me simply suggest that we think of Jesus as uh, the farmer in the dell. A true story as recounted by Jay Hauser. I was traveling in rural Oklahoma when I ran out of gas. I went to a nearby farmhouse to call a service station, but the farmer insisted on taking me to town, bringing me back and even staying with me until the car was running again. I offered him $100, but he shook his head. When I insisted, he replied, Look, mister, I feel very good about helping you. If I took your money... You'd buy that feeling back for me, and it's not for sale. The first point, the first point is the Lord's grace and goodness are not for sale. You can't earn them or buy them. They are free. That's what makes it grace and God's goodness. And second, the farmer is the one who cares for and nurtures. The farmer in the dell, the farmer in the dell, hi-ho the dario, the farmer in the dell. The farmer in the dell. 
The farmer in the dell prepares the soil, plants the seed, tends and nurtures the field and harvests the crop, all in the dell. Now, in case some of you just took that nursery rhyme and song for granted and don't know what a dell is, it simply means a valley or a ravine. Jesus, as the farmer in the dell, meets us in the valleys and ravines of our life and plants and nurtures and helps bring us to the fulfillment of our growth. By faith as Christians, we know that our growth is initiated by the Spirit of Christ. Or another way of saying it is, by the same Spirit that was at work in Christ back when he walked the earth. That same Spirit that was at work in him is at work in us today, the Christ Spirit. God's growth activity was present in Jeremiah's mind long ago when he wrote in the passage that Michelle read for us earlier, I will set my eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not pluck them up. I will give them a heart to know, what I, to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. In that time and place, Jeremiah knew of the harsh reality of exile, for that was Israel's valley. To be in exile. Our valleys may not be physical displacement as they were in Jeremiah's time and as it is for many in our world today. But our lows in life are no less real than finding ourselves and our spirits in deep, dark ravines. When I'm in a low place, emotionally or spiritually, it's usually hard to see any further than my own misery. It's then that I need to be reminded of how when it rains, as Jesus said it does on the just and the unjust, the nutrients of the hills drain into the valleys, making them a rich and fertile soil. You see, the valleys of our lives can be transformed into rich soil such that hope and new life can grow out of the downtimes we experience. One of my favorite movies from a number of years ago was Oh God. Do you remember Oh God with, with George Burns and John Denver? John Denver played Jerry. He was kind of the modern-day farmer as the grocer. You know, we go to the grocery store. We don't go, to the, we don't go out to the farm to get our crops. We just go to the grocery store, and Jerry was uh, one of the grocers there. Well, in one of the final scenes, they're discussing the success of their mission to the world. And nobody seemed to listen to the message Jerry was told by God to deliver. And Jerry thinks they failed. And he says, we blew it. But God doesn't see it that way. And George Burns says, oh, I don't think so. God, you know, he says, you never know. A seed here, a seed there, something will catch hold and grow. Listen, said Jesus, a sower. A sower went out to sow. And as he did, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Another fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, 
since it had no root, it withered away. Another seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and they choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain growing up and increasing, yielding thirty and sixty and a hundredfold. And he said, let anyone with ears listen. The farmer in the dell. Jesus was and is the seed planter par excellence. It was Emerson who penned this one line. The, the name of Jesus is not so much written as plowed into the history of the world. I love that image. Plowed into the history of the world. The farmer prepares the soil and sows the seed. The farmer nurtures the crop and then the harvest, looking for the fruitfulness and turning the crop to provide seeds and nurturance for the future. Seed produces seed. That's how it is for us. Generations of faith passing it on to generations of faith. But you know, where there's no farmer, there's no farm, only weeds and lots of them. And where there's no Jesus in our lives, there's no Christian community to nurture and support growth. Jesus comes into the dells, the valleys of our lives, to plant seeds of hope, renewal, love, and faith, all to the end that we might join him in the mysteries and wondrous process of growth. John Maysfield, in the poem, The Everlasting Mercy, tells of the conversion of Saul Cain, the coarsened, hardened man. And with liberated soul, Cain looked out across the field and he saw a plowman at the task of God. Instantly, he realized that Christ, that Christ was plowing in his heart. And he penned these lines. Through rest, harrow, and bitter roots, through all my bad life's rotten fruits. And then he sees some seagulls soaring after the plowman. And in ecstasy he cries, O Christ who holds the open gate, O Christ who drives the furrow straight, O Christ the plow, O Christ the laughter, O holy white birds flying after. Who is Jesus really? Well, he's many, many things. But friends, I'm here to tell you that he's the farmer in the dell in your life, and in my life. And I'm awfully glad he is. So thanks be to God for this day, for the growth gift of the farmer in the dell. Amen.